Welcome to Orphan Sunday Stories of Impact, presented by the Christian Alliance for Orphans. This limited podcast series shares how a simple, God-breathed idea is changing lives all over the world. This is Jed Medifin, president of the Christian Alliance for Orphans. I don't think there's anything better this side of heaven than getting to be a little part of a great story. These stories remind that even small acts of advocacy, care, and encouragement can make all the difference. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. I am so honored to have on the show today Bishop Aaron Blake. Bishop Blake is pastor of Greater Faith Community Church of Brownwood, Texas. He's also a foster dad with an incredible testimony, and he's having a huge impact on foster care in the state of Texas and beyond. Welcome to the show, Bishop Blake. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me to be a part of it today. Well, like I said, it's an honor to have you on the show. I've, I've heard you speak in person. I know your family's story, and I'm just very excited to be able to bring that to our listeners today. So let's go back to the beginning, to 2000, I believe. You and your wife, Mary, were empty nesters, having raised six biological children already. Then came Melvin. Tell us the story of how you began this foster care journey. Well, uh, to be honest with you, I, I had no idea and no thought, pre-thought, Mary and I, my wife Mary, and I had no pre-thought of foster care or adoption or anything like that, no knowledge of it. Uh, I was a bivocational pastor uh, uh, working for uh, Darwin Independent School District as a counselor and, uh, and a pastor, and one day... Uh, uh, the principal sent a young man to my office because he refused to go to class. And uh, and so he came, he had an attitude when he came into my office, sit down in the chair in front of my desk and said, I don't know who you are, but you can't make me go to class. And um, and I said to him, well, I, I'm not the one who makes people go to class. I had no idea why he was sitting there. I didn't do discipline. And then uh, I got a message from the principal that he was a foster kid that had been into five different uh, different placements, five different high schools, and between each each move, he lost credits. He only had two and a half credits as a freshman when he supposed to have been a second semester sophomore. So I I, I understood his frustration. We happened to piece together his transcript, get him in the right class, and get him going. Now, making a long story short, a year later, after he was having success playing football and other things, the um, uh, inevitable happened. Something happened with his placement, and CPS came to get him. When they came to get him, he ran away. And uh, that evening, came back to my office, sat down in the same chair in front of me. His face was full of perspiration. I couldn't tell the tears from the perspiration. And uh, it seemed like it was it was 30 minutes, but probably only less than 30 seconds. But he squeaked out these words that changed my life and the reason why I do what I do today. He said, Brother Blake... Will you help me? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know anything about how I could possibly help him, and uh, I said, "Melvin, uh, you don't have a home. If I if if I could, I'd take you home with me." 
And he said, really? And I said, yes. He said, you take me home with you? And I said, yes, in a heartbeat. And, um, but in my mind, I was thinking, we have an emptiness, and I have a wife named Mary. And taking, a, <laughs> taking a 16-year-old home, uh, well, I don't know if that would go over well. But uh, I said, Melvin, you have to go with, with CPS. Well, uh, I called CPS. They came back, and they picked Melvin up, and Melvin drove away from the campus down the street, and he was gone. I stood there on the curb. Uh, with my heart uh, just pounding, wondering what was going to happen. Well, six months later, CPS called and said, do you know Melvin Johnson? And I said, yes. And they said, Melvin Johnson is going to come back to Brownwood, we hope. And I said, great. And he said, he's going to get back on on, on a football team. Can you help? And I said, we sure can. And then they said, Melvin Johnson said that you said (laughs) that he could come live with you. Well, there was a silence on the phone, uh, and I wanted to say, I don't know how he got that, but I rewound the tape, and I remember saying, if I could, I'd take you home with me, and um, I couldn't say no, but I said, I'll call you tomorrow. On the way home, I rehearsed my speech to Mary. How can I possibly ask her, can a 16-year-old come to live with us. Well, that evening at, at supper, I finally got uh, the courage to, to just say, Mary, guess what happened? And I told her, and she said, well, I hope you said yes. Mm. I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> I, I literally couldn't wait until 8 o'clock the next morning to call the worker and tell him yes. So I called, and I said, hey, Tell Melvin, uh, yes, we we want him to come. He can come and live with us. Then she asked, are you a licensed foster parent? And jokingly, I tell people that I said, where do you you buy those licenses at? (laughs) Well, I didn't really say that. But we quickly got our license. Melvin came to live with us. and, And then that started our process. But in the process of Melvin coming to live with us, he got back on the football team, the tight end for the football team, foster kiddo, lost his placement. Melvin said, don't worry about it. We got you covered. <laughs> so in that process, Joseph Callahan came to live with us. Through that process, the fullback, foster kid, lost his play- placement. Joseph and Melvin said, don't worry about it. We got you covered. He came to live with us. His name was Buck. CPS called and said, you know, Buck has a brother. We love to keep siblings together. Well, his his brother, Diego, came to live with us. Well, six boys later, our house was filled up again, and that started our journey into foster care. That is incredible. And now, how did it change your church? Well, I, I, uh, one Sunday, I at that particular time, and this was in 2002, um, we had been two years in, in the foster care, and uh, 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 our boys then, we knew that they were going to be uh, forever with us as, as our children. And um, But CPS would call and say, uh, you do very, you and Mary does such a great job with teens. Uh, 
make you a group home, and you could take up to 12. We got more kids. <laughs> and uh, I said to them, yeah, and if you if I got 12 boys in my home, me and the boys will be on the curve, because Mary would put all of us out there on the curve. And, uh, but when I, when I began to check the, the, the data for Texas at that time, there was 20, around 28,000 kids in the, in the system in Texas. And, um, and I began to read, and, uh, and as they would call me and tell me about more kids, more kids. Um, one Sunday, I had a different sermon ready for that particular Sunday, and it was the second Sunday in November uh, of 2002. Uh, I stood up in front of the church, and I said, uh, uh, friends, there are, there are 28,000 kids in the, in the system in Texas, and I said, in our county, there at that time, there was 163 kids that were uh, in our county, uh, a large number of kids. And I said, we, we must do something about this. We just got to stand up for these kids. And I want to know who is standing with me for the kids that are in the system who are being abused, abandoned, and neglected, and who are hurting. Um, who is standing with me? Well, I didn't mean literally to stand, but a lady midway the church named Nedra Wade stood up, and and she said, Pastor, I will. Well, a spontaneous uh, move came over the church, and person after person began to stand and say, I will, I will, I will. So in 2002... We started Harvest Family Life in our church as our church orphan care ministry, and we started Stand Sunday. So mm-hmm. from 2002 until this, this day, we celebrated Stand Sunday, but our goal was this. Our goal from our church was first that our church would, would do that, and in six months, 39 kids were placed into uh, our church and families. Mm. We averaged from... from 2002, uh, uh, up until last year, an average of 55 kids that came through our program into churches, uh, and our church and other churches, uh, a year. 55 in our small town of 20,000 people in our county. Our goal then was to have more families waiting for kids than kids waiting for families. Hmm. And we wanted to make, we wanted that goal to be done in in our in county which which is Brown County to up to this day there are more families in Brown County waiting for kids that come through through the county child welfare system than there are kids that come through there. So wow. we wanted to do that then, and then Child Protective Services called us and said, can that be duplicated? I said, I don't know, but we're willing to try. So we started going to other communities and other counties, and our goal today is to have more families waiting for our children and children waiting for families. And that's my Stand Sunday. 
Join us in declaring God's glory through these Orphan Sunday stories. It all begins with your church observing Orphan Sunday or Stand Sunday this November. Visit OrphanSunday.org for your free resource toolkit to help you plan your Orphan Sunday. Then send us your Orphan Sunday story with the hashtag MyOrphanSunday. Sunday.